Welcome to the Young Pro Podcast, where our goal is to better equip people working with young adults to grow God's kingdom. Today, we're back. Season two is here. But before we can jump in, we need to make sure we're speaking the same language. So welcome to How to Speak YPO 101 with Mike and Travis. I'm your host, Travis Wiesenberg, and this is the Young Pro Podcast. the Young Pro Podcast, Season 2. Mike, it's it's good to be back. How are you doing today? It is really good to be back. I'm looking forward to this uh, this new season. Yeah, it's, uh, we've had a little bit of a break, but we're looking to jump in today. And one of the things we want to start with coming off last season is we've seen the need for anybody to come in who's coming in this season, we got to have a common language. we got to have a common set of terms that we can come back to. So when we're throwing them out in future podcasts, that people actually know, know what we're talking about, that, that'd probably be a little bit helpful going forward. So we're going to just jump right in and we're gonna, I'm just going to ask you one question a day and that's what are the five key building block terms and concepts that young professional outreaches should know? Ooh, uh, well, let's start with young professional. Yeah. <laughs> what are we even talking <laughs> just about? Just in case. So yeah, that'd be nice to know. Um, young professional is, is a new kind of stage of life that's developing in the way that teenage life developed. It used to be that you just go right into being from adolescent to adulthood really quickly. Today, you finish your education career, and then typically you have somewhere between three and 10 years, maybe even longer, where you're a single young adult um, who's no longer in the educational system, but is making his or her way into the quote-unquote full adult system. Mm. So it's a big transition, um, and it's it's that age of transition, 22 to 32-ish, that really describes the, the age group that we're looking at and the needs that they have, especially for relationship and for truth and for love and all those kinds of things that characterize this uh, young professional era so significantly. So we use it as a term that is meant to describe twenty, early 20-something to early 30-somethings. doesn't necessarily mean that they're uh, a professional in the sense of doctor, lawyer, or whatever. It's mm-hmm. just the age group. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. I, I remember when we first talked about this, we made the difference between adulting and being an adult, where a mm-hmm. lot of these young professionals are, are figuring out how to, you know, how to actually be an adult. You would ask them, are you an adult? And they would say, well... Kind of. You know, I, I do some adult things, but I'm not sure I'm fully an adult yet. I don't have a house. I don't have a family. I don't have these key markers of adulthood as we went into. So if if you're curious about that and, and still a little bit confused on, on some of the problems specific to this age demographic, just ask that you go back to, to episode one and, and give that a listen. So what else? What's the what, what other concepts? Okay, another key thing that we were talking about is the whole value of love and especially intentional love. Mm. Um the idea that uh, we're trying to dispel the idea that that people are thinking, well, I only make relationships with someone as long as they get further along in terms of uh, coming to the Lord or whatever. And if they don't, then I drop them. Mm. Uh, 
that is not our understanding of God's love for us. It's right. not our understanding of what love should look like. Love is just simply intending the good of others. It's how God loves us. He intends for us. Uh, he intends good for us, and it's how we should love others. Um, and one of the, the key things that we should be doing all the time is looking to love others. And the best way we can look to love others is show interest in them. Show interest in them as a good human being, somebody worthy of my attention, somebody made in the image of God. Uh, and therefore, our intentional love just simply does uh, pay attention mm. and enters into conversation with someone as one of the key ways that we show love. Great. Yeah, I think that's the meets the meets the felt need that and actually just the, the human need of, of having people and relationships that that are loving that you can have a conversation that that gets to a point where you feel loved by that person. You feel like they they're showing that interest and something that, that we touched on a little bit is becoming a master of conversation, someone who can do this well, someone who can, who is just key in, in building a good environment for people to come to and feel this intentional love. So what, how do you become a master of conversation? What does that even mean? <laughs> uh, it's, in fact, I think, easier than most people think. <laughs> most people have been around people that just go, boy, I really enjoyed that conversation with so-and-so. Uh, and what they probably enjoyed about it was that the other person drew them out, mm. um, asked them the kinds of questions that they were interested in answering. So uh, becoming a master of conversation is just simply reading your, your, the person that you're talking to well. Are they interested in this subject? If they are, I'll ask another question. Hmm. Uh, or if it leads into another kind of opening, I might try to open that door. If it closes, I go, fine, then I'll open another one. Uh, but it's, it's recognizing that most people aren't actually that good at, at those kinds of conversations. So we need to be in a place where we can ask them multiple questions. We're ready with a question that's not invasive, not in their face, but will lead them to be able to respond. And then we listen and we see, hey, they seem to be interested in this or excited about that. And you just simply ask them more questions and recognize that they may not ask you questions back. Uh, right. Maybe someday they'll become a master of conversation <laughs> and, and turn the tables on you and ask you a bunch of questions. But at the start, you just simply show love for them by asking them questions about themselves that they're easy for them to answer. And they're ones that people generally are interested in answering. One of the things that we talked about in in this vein of, of masters of conversation is is mining for gold, conversational gold, where where all of a sudden you know you're you ask three or four questions, kind of some short answers or short answers to those questions, but then all of a sudden you know you ask the one about, okay, I see that you're really passionate about your job, you know where did that passion come from? Mm -hmm. And they're oh, mm -hmm. oh, I haven't thought about that, and they you know they give you this. You know, two minute answer and you're like, okay, now I found something that we can have a full, you know, 10 minute conversation about where this person is going to leave saying, I really like that guy. I want to, mm -hmm. you know, I want to come back and continue to build a friendship with him. And you'll like him more too, because hey. you got to know him more and you find people are interesting when you know what their interests mm -hmm. are. They're not interesting when you don't know anything about them of, of substance or depth, but almost everybody is actually quite interesting when you get to know them. That's yep. That's that's hundred percent true. It's it's one of those things where you, you're serving somebody, but you're also just being built up because the further you go in, you're all exactly what you said. You're finding that wow, the image of God is actually very much in this person. And so, we have, there's two concepts: young professionals and intentional love. What's what's the third key concept? So the third one has to do with how do you go out into the world or into your set of relationships 
and work in those kinds of environments and then how do you bring them into your environments um, so one you go into another's environment and that's go work and then bringing them into your environment is inviting them to come uh, to something now an example of of go work would be uh, where do you go to work where do you go to school hmm. do you go to the gym do you hang out uh, playing summer softball league where do you go that is not your environment your home obviously be one of the places where you have someone come into your environment mm. or in a young professionals outreach uh, environment that would be a, an environment you could bring someone to come work generally is you invite them to come go means you have to take the initiative to go um, so uh, go work is is fulfilling the, the commission that we have to go and tell the nations that means we actually have to go <laughs> Yeah, that's something that I have really enjoyed talking about. And I think that's something that we've kind of, yeah, just have to understand is that you have to first go build the trust before you expect anybody to come. And, and a, come, a come environment is something that you're putting on. Uh, you know, it's based in, in John 139 where mm. Jesus uh, says to Andrew, come and see. You actually are bringing someone to something you're asking them to come to something because you actually have something to show them which is a great set of friends a mm. really enjoyable environment a way of life or a lifestyle that's attractive and you say that's what i want them to come to uh, so the go work should always lead to some form of come to uh, this next thing and and that leads us to what are they coming to is we we talked a little bit about environments and events and that that looks to be the next key term that we're going to talk about today so what are they coming to what's an environment what's an event what's the difference here mm -hmm. yeah good uh an environment is uh, the key thing to distinguish it from is an event an environment is really relationally different driven uh, the environment is the purpose in some ways it carries uh it, it, it is the context and usually it's a context for a relationship talking, get to know one another, eating, recreating together, those kinds of things. And it's just simply around an environment. It's not really like, okay, here's the purpose of the meeting. Here's mm -hmm. the agenda. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. Here's what we're working on together. It's just an environment where good things happen. Uh, so what we want to do is we want to set up the kind of environments that people would want to be in and say, that's an enjoyable environment to be in. I would come back to that. And usually a, a good environment is an environment where relationships work well mm. and where what you're providing is just something to go, yeah, I could, I'll, I'll do that again. Like a good steak night is a good environment because people like to eat the steak. You go, <laughs> yes. And a good relational environment is they enjoyed the friendships. So that's an, an environment. Um, as such. Now, a key thing in those uh, environments is actually to make an environment really relationally good. It's not just, I brought my friend, they came to this environment, and I talked to them for 45 minutes. Yeah. That isn't what you're really looking for. You're really looking for a genius for friendship in your environment. The relational environment has the ability to draw people in, and you're there and you're saying, oh, he's interested in the Lord of the Rings. So is Bill. I mm -hmm. got to get him introduced to Bill. Or he's interested in modern art. Mm. I got to get him over and talk to Sam. 
or she's interested in you know this form of hip hop music. I know exactly who she should talk to. <laughs> what then begins to happen is people get to know other people and experience the relational environment as a really strong and healthy and good an attractive environment. And that's because the environment has a genius for friendship within the environment. Uh, so it's not just a, a good environment, but it's an environment that's characterized by this kind of genius for friendship so that people will go away from it saying, I met some really good people there. I want to yeah. come back. In fact, I might even bring somebody that I know who's mm. actually interested in music the way that, that I know this guy was. And that's, and I think that's the real difference between our environments and, and the world environments because you could take that same friend to a restaurant where there's also, you know, 30 other people and talk to them for 45 minutes, but you're not going to have another conversation with anybody but your waiter or waitress. But in this environment that we're talking about is having this genius for friendship really makes the difference where you're, you're actually inviting them into make friends with your friends and they're becoming part of a community, which is something that young professionals just have an absence for in their mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So environments, are relationally driven and events purpose driven i take purpose it yeah yeah okay. much more clearly i mean obviously you got to have good relations uh, relationship environment as well any in event should also have a good environment but an environment doesn't necessarily have a a purpose or an event uh within it but an event is where you 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 have a purpose and typically it's an, an event has more structure to it so you everybody is doing the same thing now is mm. usually the sign that you're at an event. Everybody is clapping because the talk is over. Everybody is uh, milling around waiting for the event to begin. Mm. Uh, everybody is seated in their chairs while this is happening and they're standing while that's happening. That characterizes an event. So an event like might be uh, a it might be a Bible study. It might be a movie night. It might be a prayer meeting. It mm -hmm. might be, but it is usually, I am coming to it because there is this purpose for that event. And I know what that is. And I'm there for that purpose that characterizes uh, an event. And, and obviously in the evangelization process, you're going to have events where you begin right. to pray and you talk to people, et cetera, et cetera. But it's helpful to know, is this an event with a good environment or is this simply an environment that might have just a slight touch of an event in it? And usually in our initial kind of outreach things, we really want them to be environments rather than events. You go from an environment, context, relationship building to an event where you're actually now trying to get a specific thing to happen. Yeah. And I think I think something the reason behind that from our previous discussions is if you start with an event, you almost always exclude someone who would never go to a Christian event. Mm -hmm. People who are looking for Christian events will find them. The people who are not they're just not going to come, but they will come, you know, to eat steak. They will come to have dinner with, do basic human things that are just good and good environments. So yeah, that's what, that's why we recommended starting with an environment. Mm -hmm. And even some events, even if it's a Christian event and you've got a Christian, they may go, yeah, but that's not my flavor. That's mm. not my color. Yeah. Uh, and so you might still have a bit of a jump. I've never been to a Bible study before, even though I'm a Christian and you're asking me to Bible study. Mm. I don't know about that. But if I've come to an environment first and I built this relationship with a whole set of people and they're all going to be at the event, the, the thing that wins me is the fact that I have a relationship with you. Yeah, I'll come to whatever event this is because you guys are great guys. Uh, so uh, that, that does help you uh, bring people into an event that they might never have come to, even if... They're already Christian. 
So the other thing in this environment invent kind of category is, is the idea of a program. And a program is like a string of, of events. So an mm. event has a purpose, but a program has, uh, it builds up as it goes along to fulfill a purpose. So a program might be like a life in the spirit seminar, a, uh, a set of, uh, Bible studies that are leading to a particular goal or outcome, mm. that kind of a thing. So we do run, <clears throat> we do run programs, uh, as well, which is a multiple, uh, it's a series of events, basically. I also remember we, one of the things that really made this work or makes these environments events work is just genius for friendship, but also being able to answer some of the basic apologetic questions, not, not in front of an audience, but just to your, your non-Christian friends who just have questions. I mean, you're, you may be the only Christian they know. Uh, and do you have any just like key basic concepts that we went over for how to do that? Yeah, I think one of the, the, the key things in apologetics, it is helpful to know the answers. It must be said. <laughs> Having a good answer is a good thing. More important is is monitoring the state of the conversation because if you gave them exactly the truth and it's really the right answer and you just totally turned them off and they don't want to talk to you again, that wasn't actually very good apologetics. It mm. might have been true, but it wasn't effective. Mm. So good apologetics are supposed to be effective. They answer what is going on in the person as much as what is pro what is going on in the system of logic that they're using to understand something. Yes, it is helpful to be able to give a logical, a coherent answer. But if that answer is not meeting what's really going on inside of them, you haven't actually done apologetics, not the kind of pastoral apologetics hmm. that I'd say that we want to we want to do. But yes, it is good to know answers to a whole set of those things and, and to be able to answer uh, questions that people have, especially if they're they're in a place where they're ready to hear an answer. Mm -hmm. But that's one of the first judgments you have to make. Yep. Do they really want to hear this answer, or don't they? <laughs> right. Or are they just trying to pigeonhole you whole? Yeah. In yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And if you guys are looking for some examples, we we did that with episode eleven with Joseph Matthias. Ran through five or six just of the top questions that that most non Christians have for people in the faith. Last last core concept. The Seelox process. What what is this? Okay, uh, this is fairly complicated, but it really does help you to understand. It it kind of gives you the whole. What's the whole purpose? What's the whole process of uh, evangelizing someone? Uh, and it really does start with uh, a sea level kind of event, sea level environment. What we mean by that is that it is for someone who has virtually no Christian background at all, uh, and therefore it's. It's, it's uh, user-friendly, come mm -hmm. one, come all. Mm. Uh, then the next level up is a, a lighter kind of Christian conversation, discussion, opportunity, a stake and testimony night, uh, a very initial Bible study or something along those kinds of lines. Uh, the, the next level is something that someone who might uh, have more Christian interest would come to where you might have a, uh, a discussion or a presentation or a prayer meeting or something along those kinds of lines. Mm -hmm. But all of those are in the, in the initial first stages that get someone to a place where you can, uh, that's just reaching them. And we usually use the term reach, call, form and send and land. Uh, the, the goal is at the end of the day uh, for full evangelization is you've, someone has become a committed Christian they then become a disciple who really wanted to know what the Lord uh, says 
and to take that on. And then they're landing in a living, breathing body of Christ somewhere long term where they're going to be able to continue to live their Christian life well. So this whole process is, can, can be envisioned as a series of locks that bring you through the reach process, the call process, uh, which is really calling someone to commitment to the Lord and baptism of the Holy Spirit. The form and send processes, which is helping someone to become a disciple and, and to give away their faith. Mm. Uh, and then the land process, which is uh, bringing them into uh, a full relationship with a living Christian body. So that's the Sealox uh, process. It's a way of bringing people from no interest in Christianity all the way up into a full Christian life. Great. Yeah. So I think that, that pretty much covers what we need as a group of people listening to this podcast, group of people thinking about young professional outreach. We're, we're all speaking the same language now is what I'm trying to say. So where where's season two headed? What are we what are we doing here this next season? What's our goal and what's our objective for season two of Young Pro Podcast? Yeah, good question. Um, well, what I'm hoping is that we'll be able to do a little bit of a deep dive into certain specific parts and pieces of a young professional's outreach and how do you design those how do you put that kind of thing together like even just what's a team look like who's right. putting on a young professional event do what you do you need, need on yeah. your team it's like okay we're playing baseball what do i need well you need a catcher what's a catcher what's he do i yeah, need a shortstop yeah. what's a shortstop what's he do you know you're looking for the people who are going to actually do a set of things for your team that are going to help you to put on your young professional outreach so uh, you know, what's a team look like? Uh, what do certain events look like? Give me come, some examples of a C-level event. We've used the term Taco Tuesday. How do you put together a Taco Tuesday, mm -hmm. which is basically feed them tacos and provide a good environment? What's that look like? How would you actually do that? Yep. So it's deep diving into a set of those kinds of questions. Uh, what What's necessary to make a successful call event work? Hmm. Uh, those kinds of things. We'll go into a little bit more depth on, on each of those uh, as we go through the season. Great. And, and yeah, and then with that, we're hoping that you listeners can take these parts and pieces that we go a deep dive on and talk with your team on it and figure out how we can put that into play, which is that's exactly what we're about doing with this Young Pro podcast is not just talking about the concepts, but but taking these concepts and, and truly using them for your professional outreach. So, Mike, I'm excited for this next season, and thank you for, for coming on to, to kick it off. Okay, we're looking forward to a good year. Hey, Young Pros, it's great to be back. A few things that you beautiful people should be aware of. One, we just recently launched an Instagram page titled YoungPro underscore podcast. Second, if you want to be on our email list to be notified for new podcasts and future YPO training, fill out the Google Doc in the bio of this episode. And third and final announcement is next week, we'll be having on John Packer Stevenson, who was one of the founding members that created the now infamous Taco Tuesdays. If you're looking to get a winning environment set up in your YPO, then this is just what you need. Thanks for listening, young pros, and... Keep building the kingdom. Peace.